Hey, Disney fan. Have you ever wanted to know how we make the magic? Or maybe what's happening at Disney every single week? Well, have we got the podcast for you. This is D23 Inside Disney. I'm Sherry from Oh My Disney. I'm Jeffrey from D23. I'm Candace from Radio Disney. And we are taking you Inside Disney. All right. Really excited, Candace. Yes. You and I here today. Sorry, Sherry can't be with us, but we're doing a special one-off just for fun. But we will be back on Thursday with our new episode. But when we had the opportunity to interview the author of One Day at Disney, I said, how can we not do this? This is exactly. amazing. And Candace, you've been a huge part of this since the very beginning. I know. It's been such a cool process to go from there's someone on the other side of the phone who's writing about you and all of these other Disney cast members to now we're here. The book's out. You've been doing signings, which is very cool. So uh, yeah, we are very, very happy to have with us today the author of One Day at Disney, all the way from Asheville, North Carolina, my good friend, Bruce Steele. Yeah, Hi, everybody. Candace. You have the book. It came out. It's amazing. The series is streaming. For those who haven't watched it, you can watch One Day at Disney on Disney+. And the book is available on ShopDisney.com even. I mean, Candace already has six, seven, eight copies. Christmas presents. Exactly. Shh, don't tell. For everyone. <laughs> for everyone. But Bruce, tell us how you got involved with this project. Well, I've known Jeffrey for uh, a long time. Long enough that we can't say how long. Okay. <laughs> and years Hashtag ago, true story. Yeah, yeah, right. Years ago when I lived in Los Angeles, uh, Jeffrey used to write stories for me when he was an entertainment journalist. And I was an editor at uh, Out Magazine and then at The Advocate. Okay. And he wrote fabulous cover stories for us. That's very nice of you to say. I give Bruce full credit. Like I was like this little scrappy wannabe writer and editor and everything I I learned, and I mean that, every good thing I learned, I should say, I learned from Bruce. He Aww. was the best mentor I ever had. Oh, well, that's very sweet. And then years later, Jeffrey's here at Disney and invited me to do some writing for Disney 23 Magazine, which is familiar to all of our listeners, I hope. Yeah. T23's quarterly publication, available with Gold and Gold Family Membership. <laughs> And I get to go to fabulous places like the set of Mary Poppins Returns and uh, Pixar to talk about Coco and wow. wrote some stories. But the great thing about those stories is that they both involved celebrities and behind-the-scenes people. And that was sort of the concept for One Day at Disney. So when they were setting up this project, Jeffrey thought of me, and I came on board. It was great. Wow. It was a very easy sell. Wendy Lefcon, who's the editorial director for Disney Editions and is fabulous and brilliant, I knew she and Bruce would hit it off. I made the introduction, and then Bruce really sold it himself. Wendy's been great. Wendy is, is my twin from another mother. And even though <laughs> I didn't actually meet Wendy until uh, Disney 23 Expo as well, but we, worked, we had weekly meetings and worked together and, and made, made it all happen. So you and Candace got to meet face-to-face -face at Expo. What was that like after having, you know, talked on the phone like six months before? It's sort of like that friend you have like in Instagram that you just kind of know and watch their life. And like he knows all this stuff about me and I didn't know a whole lot about him other than he was an amazing author. And then we met and now the book's here. But it was very cool to meet you in person. It was very cool. It's been great to meet all the cast members little by little. As you said, it's like meeting friends that you already had that you never got to see face-to-face. -face. Yeah. What was it like, Candace, for you? You normally do interviews yeah. on Radio Disney, for those who don't listen to her. <laughs> you normally do interviews. What was it like being the subject of an interview? It's odd because you sort of want to speak the way that they want to hear and sort of like edit yourself. But you know the story in your head, so you don't want to leave anything out, but you don't want to talk too much. So it's like this weird balance of what should I say? What do they need? What's going to be entertaining to an audience that's not just entertaining to my mom? So it was very... <laughs> Very different. It was very different. 
And Bruce, because Candace does this professionally, was her interview any different than some of your other subjects? Well, the great thing about uh, talking to other journalists and, and people who talk to people for a living is that they knew how to tell stories, and Candace knew how to tell a story. She's being modest here, <laughs> but Candace and, and Chris Christie and Robin Roberts, Robin Roberts was great. She was, she was so sweet and personable, like we'd been old friends Aww. forever. Uh, and David Muir, uh, all these folks who, you know, tell stories for a living, knew how to tell their own stories. So it was really, really wonderful to talk to them. Every, I mean, everybody told great stories. Uh, but some were more succinct than others. Yeah. <laughs> that makes sense. That makes sense. You interviewed nearly 80 people. Was there one who really surprised you? I think the interview experience that was the most surprising was one of the interviews in Asia because it was very difficult to set up interviews with people in Asia because they go to bed about the time we get up. So they asked me if I could get up at 7 o'clock in the morning to do an interview mm-hmm. with a woman named Kei Namiki who is a stage manager for the parades at Tokyo Disneyland. So I was there in Asheville, North Carolina, in my pajamas or something, drinking coffee, and at 7 o'clock in the morning, talking to Kay and her translator by telephone. It was all very clear. It was like being in the same room with them. And then about 15 minutes into the interview, there was this noise on the line, this this noise, and I couldn't figure out, I couldn't hear them. And I said, we have to stop a minute because there's this noise on the line, and it sounds like it's on your end. And they said, oh, yes, the fireworks are going off. (laughs) So I'm in my house having my morning coffee, and in Tokyo Disneyland, it's time for the end of the day. It's time for the fireworks. So now, you know, when I get up at 7 o'clock in the morning, I think to myself, the fireworks are going off in Tokyo. (laughs) That's such a cool thing to think about, people enjoying that while we're waking up. Well, and it it really ties into the book itself, where you see all the different things that are happening at the same time around the world. That timeline is very cool. Was there a job someone had that you never even imagined existed? We talk about this a lot, but I think the job that nobody imagined existed belongs to a fellow named Tom Self, who works at the Disneyland Park. And he's an ex-Navy guy and a machinist and learned everything there is to know about fixing machines in the Navy. And then he also learned how to scuba dive in the Navy. And then he came to Disneyland, and now he goes to work at 11 o'clock midnight every night when the park is closed and dives into the Jungle Cruise waters to fix the machinery <laughs> underwater, fix the hippos, fix the elephants, fix the tracks, take out the palm prawns, whatever. And he does this every night. That's his job. And he works from like midnight to 8 a.m. every night under the waters of all the water attractions at Disneyland. Wow. I watched his one day at Disney short that came out on Disney Plus last week, and I was just amazed. And it looks so much fun seeing him under there with the characters. It's just like meet and greet with all of them underwater by himself. (laughs) So cool. It is. If you could do any one of the jobs of the people that you profiled, what job would that be? The amazing thing is that I couldn't do most of the jobs of the people that I interviewed because I just don't have the skills. These are people who built up skill sets over years and years. So I would have to be magically endowed with uh, some of the skills that these <laughs> folks have, including Candace, for that matter. I could, oh, I could not talk on the radio every day. I can barely talk on the radio right now. No, you're doing great. <laughs> uh, so the job that I always come back to is a fellow named Corey Amrine, who is a tour guide for Adventures by Disney. And we mm-hmm. caught up with him in Costa Rica. I'm sure he has many skills that I don't have, but I would like to think that I could take people around the world and show them fabulous things for a living. That sounds like a great job. (laughs) Totally a great job. What was your most magical moment in putting the book together? Well, I come from a train family. My grandfather worked his entire life on the Pennsylvania Railroad. Wow. So it was really a treat to meet Mark Gonzalez, who for his entire life wanted to work on steam locomotives. And now where else can you work on steam locomotives anymore except at Disneyland? So Mark is an engineer on the Disneyland Railroad. And uh, when we uh, met him at Disneyland... 
the train pulled up in front of us and he said, we're going to do something really special for you guys. And he put us on the last car of the train, which you've seen riding around Disneyland, but you might not know what it is. It's called the Lily Bell, mm. named after Lillian Disney. And it's this fabulous, luxurious car that Walt Disney himself once rode in. And just to ride around the park all the way around the full circle with Mark in this historical car and listening. And it wasn't just the exclusivity of being in the car, but it was the being in the car with Mark, who is the connection between modern Disneyland and all the way back to Walt Disney. And hearing his stories and his enthusiasm was just amazing. Wow. Have you had a chance to watch the series on Disney Plus? I am watching the series on Disney Plus like everyone else and very excited to see what shows up every week because I don't know in advance. But it's great to watch the series because the shows on the Disney Plus complement the books so nicely. They overlap mm-hmm. a little bit. So you know that you're hearing the same stories and you're meeting the same people. But there's stories in the book that aren't in the Disney Plus series. And there's stories in the Disney Plus series that aren't in the book. And sometimes yeah. I'm watching the series going, you didn't tell me that story. You could have told me that story. <laughs> I could have been in the, that could have been in the book. <laughs> but it's great. To your point, they're complimentary like that. And it actually makes it an additive experience. It is. It, it's a lot of fun. And I look forward to 50 more weeks of it. Yeah, me too. Was there an overall theme that you kind of discovered after talking to cast members and employees? I like to say this book isn't just about Disney. It's not about how to get a job at Disney, although you might learn something about how to get a job at Disney, like relocate your entire life to Orlando (laughs) um, and be hopeful. But really, it's a book about finding the job of your dreams and really staying focused on what it is that you love, what it is you love to do figuring out what kind of education you need, taking the internships that you need, finding the college programs that you need or the apprenticeships that you need. Some of these people put in years and years of grunt work to get to where they are. And some of it is just like be dogged and keep checking those job listings and look for something that fits skill sets that you didn't know you have. I like to tell the story of Heather Bartleson, who was a PhotoPass photographer at the park. And she saw a job listing for the Holiday Services Warehouse at Walt Disney World. And she went for the interview. And they said, well, what skills do you have as a PhotoPass photographer that you can translate to the Holiday Services Warehouse? And it was a job for buying holiday decor. And she said, well, I used to work at a specialist motorcycle shop. And I would find obscure motorcycle parts through catalogs and research. And they said, you're the person because we need you to buy every single thing, large and small, for the holidays at Walt Disney World. And she's been doing that for years now and loves it and can't imagine any other job. What a fun job. Sherry would probably want that job. <laughs> Sherry would totally Shopping love that job. Shopping for holiday things. <laughs> so it's a gorgeous coffee table book. It's filled with beautiful photos, but there are these incredible stories that you wrote. Is there a way that you would suggest people read the book? Do you start at the beginning, go all the way through? I mean, the nice thing about a really good coffee table book is that you can open it up to any page and enjoy as long as you have to enjoy it. You can read five or six, you can read one. I would recommend people start at the beginning. Bob Iger wrote a lovely foreword that I think sets the tone for the book. Mm. And then we start off with Stephanie Carroll, who's got a great, really representative story of somebody who she works on at the ranch at Walt Disney World and takes care of the horses. But she's also the coachman for Cinderella, Cinderella's coach and for fairy tale weddings. She sort of sets the tone as well. But after you read about Stephanie, you can flip through and read about anything you like. And it's really cool to read it in conjunction with the Disney Plus series because you can see who's going to be on next and you can read their profile and then you can watch the series and then you can read their profile again and see see how they overlap and and, uh, how they complement each other. 
Yeah, I like that. Well, before we let you go, we always ask our guests for a favorite Disney memory. So do you have one you can share with us? Well, I was fortunate enough to be married to a Disney animator in the 1990s. And one of the first things we did as a Disney family was go to the uh, cast and crew premiere of Hunchback of Notre Dame. And it was at the Shrine Auditorium in downtown Los Angeles. And it was this amazing party with acrobats and amazing food and entertainers. And uh, as somebody who you know, worked in the magazine business for so many years, married to an animator who previously worked on television commercials, there was nothing like that in our lives before. So joining the Disney family at that point in the 1990s was really magical. Wow. It was fun. Bruce, thank you so much for joining us. We've all been involved with this project now for a while, and it's, it's really great to hear your stories about the making of it. I love telling stories about the making of it, but I loved even more telling the stories of all the people involved in the book and all these cast members. They're, they're just amazing people. All right. Well, thanks again for listening to D23 Inside Disney, this very special episode. Don't forget to like and share this episode wherever you listen or subscribe. And feel free to reach out to us on social media using the hashtag D23 Inside Disney. And don't forget, for all the latest Disney news, check out d23.com. And we'll be back in just a couple of days. Me, Candace, and Sherry with a special guest and all the latest Disney news on an all-new episode of D23 Inside, Inside Disney. Disney.